Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome to the WP Builds Podcast. Once again, you've reached episode number 279, entitled Design Aesthetics. It was published on Thursday the 19th of May 2022. My name is Nathan Wrigley and before we get to the podcast, a few little bits of housekeeping if that's okay with you. The first thing to mention is that we would really love it, really, really love it if you felt able to share the podcast in whichever way you felt best. For example, you could go to your podcast player of choice, often that might be something like Apple Podcasts, and give us a five-star review and perhaps a little bit of a write-up saying why you like the podcast. Alternatively, you could just do simple sharing. Our Twitter handle is at WPBuilds. And just feel free to share it around Facebook, whatever platform you happen to choose. I'd really appreciate that, and it certainly does help to swell the numbers of the podcast. Another thing to mention is if you'd like to just stay up to date with everything that we do, we've got a page to help you do that. It's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Over there, you're going to find email lists to sign up to, and we simply post emails when we produce new content. That could be the content that you're listening to right now. That's the Thursday podcast. We also do a live show, which we would love you to join. It's called This Week in WordPress. I'm joined typically by three other guests. It's at 2 p.m. UK time, and that's over at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. But there's also things like our YouTube channel and, as I mentioned earlier, our Twitter handle. So that's wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Another thing that I always mention is our deals page. It's forward slash deals. If you're into buying something this week, just go there and check that out. Now, the podcast is a very time-consuming thing to create, as you might imagine. It doesn't come without its costs. And I'm very happy to say that this week, our podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. That's go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we really do thank GoDaddy Pro for helping us to put on the WPBuilds podcast this week. Okay, let's get stuck into the main podcast event, shall we? I'm talking today with David Wormsley. Like I said, it's episode number 279. It's called Design Aesthetics. Now, this is a really tricky thing. We're going through our WordPress Business Bootcamp series, and the idea of this series is we strip everything right back as if we were starting out building websites with WordPress for the very first time. We've got a client called Miss A, and we've gone through about a dozen episodes so far, so you might want to listen to those. But this one, we've reached design aesthetics. Now, this is a really tricky thing, isn't it? Because design aesthetics are really important. It lends credibility to the brand. The look and feel is probably the thing that hits us first and is most important to the clients that we serve. But it's so subjective. There's no real agreed way to deliver such 
such things. And so we often get into design by committee, which I'm sure we could agree we all want to avoid. So how do we tackle design aesthetics? Where do we get inspiration and how do we communicate all of this with our clients? That's the subject of the podcast today. I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, welcome to another in the Business Bootcamp series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. We're now at the end of season two where we're looking at the design process and today we're discussing design aesthetics. So Nathan and I are taking contrasting approaches as we get our new business running and our first client's site built. She's a new lawyer with no previous site called Miss A. And Nathan, shall we just quickly recap where we are up to? Yeah, well, just to sort of lay out the position of how we're doing this differently. In theory, yeah. although we seem to overlap and agree quite a lot, the idea <laughs> is that my approach would be what you might call the waterfall approach, the traditional approach where toward the beginning of the project, you scope everything out, you get a proposal, you get a contract, and then you go away, build the site, and come back with the completed product and hopefully get paid because you finished it all on time. Yeah, and I'm going on the new agile approaches where it's an ongoing process of continuous improvement. So we'll try and get out a minimal viable website and through collaboration with the client, we'll work really over a lifetime to try and essentially improve the site based on the kind of results we're getting from it. So we'll try and use the data that exists, things that we know about the website and how people are responding to it. So that's how my approach is going. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And then today we're talking about the design aesthetic, which is probably going to be a fairly interesting subject because we had a long old chat this morning about all this. <laughs> Didn't we? Yeah, so, um, so obviously aesthetics... Um, uh, important to a brand's credibility and how people perceive it. it's the first thing that people are going to look at and make judgments about so it, obviously it's going to be a key thing I guess the problems we're laying out with this is that aesthetics are kind of subjective there's no agreed way of delivering it and somehow we have to avoid you know horrible design by committee um, and I think this is something that you your system might be more prone to because of the fact that everything is hinged on this final um, end product, if you like, that's been sold, where the client has to be happy with it, that they're going to be very anxious about everything being in place and how they want it to look for that point where mine is a bit easier with the agile because we're saying, well, we'll put something out and we, we'll keep working on it. You know, we won't spend all of your budget, you know, so... So I think, you know, we get these issues, don't we, with design where it's very easy for clients to start seeking outside parties and um, to give in their views and everything. We all know about that, don't we, where everybody's yeah. involved. Uh, um, my, my way of dealing with this was always fairly straightforward. And luckily, I didn't ever have gigantic problems. I mean, I had a few bits and pieces yeah. where we were going backwards and forwards. But the way that I always approached it... or let's say the, the ideal scenario for me was that I would speak to the client, talk about mm. my process, lay out some time, possible timelines and budget and all of that. And then built into that was hopefully a budget for a graphic designer. And there's a few mm. that are local to me that I really trust and built up a lot of trust over the years. And I would put the designs out to them 
they would get mm -hmm. paid for that work they would hand it back to me and then built into that was a process of usually two possibly three iterations on the design so they would select the one that they wanted to move forward with mostly most of my clients just got one design and that was fine and they were happy with that occasionally they would go for two and in a couple of cases they went for three and they picked the one that they liked so in a sense that was a bit of dead money but they could see the the benefit in it because they realized they wanted some contrasting looks to decide what best suited their own brand and mm -hmm. then go through the iterations you know talk about whether they thought that the the new I don't know, logo or the font that was being used or the way that the, the header on the homepage was going to be used, was was it suitable? And we'd go back to the designer two or three times. And then the very final time would be, the messaging would be very clear and it would be, okay, this is your last pass at this. You have to write down everything at this point because after this, the door closes, that opportunity to change things has gone, and we're going to assume moving forwards that you're you're going to sign off on this, which of course they they had to do. So yeah, that was my process, and on the whole, it worked. Never mm. never struck a client, you know, dead with a nope. I'm not using it. I refuse. All of these are awful. That just didn't happen. Maybe maybe I set the expectations well enough, but yeah, it always worked perfectly fine. So in this situation, these would just be mock-ups um, that they were agreeing to before you'd actually build it out. Yeah. Is so that, what right. we would do is we would typically ask them how many pages they wanted. And because my designer was good at, you know, flipping things fairly quickly and they had Adobe Photoshop to a T, I've actually watched mm. quite a few of them work and it, it is remarkable how quickly they were able to throw things together. And I would literally, I don't, didn't even know where the setting for most of these things was hidden. And they've got all the keystrokes figured out. So it was very rapid. And mm. yeah, that would be it. We'd get like a homepage laid out. We'd get, um, I don't know, a, a, some blog page laid out if that's what they were going for. Just a variety of different pages that they could see what the aesthetic was so that they could see what, I don't know, what the background looked like or where the logo was going to be fixed and what the menus were. And hopefully most of the stuff which would then be needed on the website, if something a little bit out of out of the the ordinary was needed, you could figure out how that ought to look from because the design was comprehensive enough. And it was delivered as a PDF to me, um, which right. I then sent on to them and they would critique the pdf usually by annotating it or by just writing in an email you know yeah yeah i mean that's i mean the two approaches i guess are kind of whether the visual design comes first uh, or whether it kind of is built up later and that's that's definitely first and i guess you know we were talking about this earlier reminding ourselves of the present tools like adobe xd figma and sketch and that that designers will often use because of they need to do different versions don't they for the mobile web um yeah yeah it's interesting because i i've seen you know people walk through those processes where the designer led and then the problem for me with that one always is the fact that at that point they generally haven't got the content agreed that's going to go in there so you kind of wedging in the content into the design a lot of the time that was a very common problem that the content yeah. that they finally delivered really didn't quite work. I'm thinking of an example where we had this kind of, we had some images arranged in three uh, three 
columns. And yeah. the the intention was that when you hovered over it, a, a small amount of text would appear. Just to, Really, it was more for SEO and things like that. But a mm. small amount of text would appear. And then, of course, the client came back with literally a paragraph of text to fit in this space, which was only intended to be occupied by three, maybe four words. And so, yeah. you know, those kind of problems definitely occurred. And it, then it was just a question of going back and saying, look, this we can go one or two ways here we can move the text so it's visible in a different area or you can limit the amount of text what what do you feel is is better and and we always got through it it was never a big deal but you're absolutely right at the bedrock of this whole conversation today is is the the fact that i've got to work from a design i've already got and you are leaving that right till the end you're doing all of the putting the site and the images well not the images but you're putting the text there and the final thing is yeah. finessing it with a design totally different approach and obviously you don't fall foul of those problems that i did but i guess i'm here to argue that it's clearer and easier for the client if they do it this way it is and i think you know i mean that's the way that when i started doing it i did it with a colleague that's exactly how she did it she i mean it was a fairly basic mock-up that she would show them of a home page they agreed it and then we'd start building it and that was the way and it was very much but again you know it's the kind of the agile thing with the traditional it's build it and they will come the budget goes yeah. on the thing that they're going to be happy with the approach you're talking about is perfect for that if you go the agile route you're assuming that well you're missing out the key thing about the web is the fact that it's full of data when you put something out there you can get some feedback about how real people are behaving and interacting with your site so you shouldn't put all your money up there you should put it into um ongoing work on it to adjust it to the visitors you have so from my point of view i'd rather go the let's concentrate on what's the key content we need to get out and the arrangement of that building up on our SEO. And then once we've got that and we know what stuff needs to go on individual pages following our strategy, then we'll build the design up from that. So there's a someone that uh, I really love how she goes about explaining it. It's Laura Elizabeth. It's somebody who she did a couple of sessions, I think, on your page builder summit. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's very similar to other UX designers I've seen their process. So really, they I guess it's done by numbers They're using kind of scientific theory on grouping, alignment, spacing, proximity, readability, color and contrast and that kind of thing and slowly you build up from the content a design and then the flourishes if you like what we think of the aesthetics are the kind of last thing you know the color and the little touches the kind of drop shadows you might add the little splodges or things that go on it or the last thing and i like that at least in the sense that you are building a process in there and if you can explain to the client that this process is there it gives them an insight to what you're doing. And as you continue to build out new pages or change things around, they've got that understanding of what's going on. But it's difficult because, of course, you're going to tell me how that will go wrong because you did earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point of this <laughs> podcast episode. I should, by the way, and I didn't say it a minute ago, The yeah. uh, one of the key things which I... When I started to use page builders, I yeah. did coach... Well, coach is the wrong word. I showed 
the the designers that I use what the limitations were of that. Right. In other words, you know, you're not designing for some sort of magazine print layout where everything's overlapping and it's very complicated. I showed them how it was all built up with rows and then those rows might contain columns and those columns uh. are kind of bound. So they they didn't go crazy with the design. You know, they weren't trying to win a, an award with any of this stuff. It was fairly formulaic, the stuff that is ever present on the web largely because the kind of clients that I dealt with, they weren't trying to win an award for a, a beautiful website. They were just trying to put yeah. something out there to gather up customers in the local area. That's mostly what they were trying to achieve. So the the getting onto the awards websites for web design wasn't their primary thing. <laughs> yeah. So they just yeah. needed something simple. And so the design was built, uh, sorry, the design was created in a way that it, it was very unlikely that I was going to find difficulty in building what they had designed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And if you were doing this A site, I mean, you've done some legal sites before. Do you think you would yep. get the designer in for that? Or do you think this is just a, a walk in the park? For well, that's a like really this? good point. And I would, I would definitely offer it, but yeah. it would be a line item that I would say, no, you don't. You probably don't need this so long as you're willing for me to just browse around a little bit and throw something together that you're happy with. D to be honest, I think with this specific case and a lot of the work that I did, that would be acceptable. But there would be other things where, I don't know, I had like bathroom companies that needed something quite, quite beautiful designing and, and I, I really didn't want to go into that without some something to back me up with you know some design to keep looking at and something that i could refer to as i was building it but i think yeah i think you might be right local lawyer just starting out maybe that's an expense they can't afford and so i would definitely be saying yeah we can knock that one off the list would yeah i, I think that would yeah i think you know really the design first or last um depends on i think the approach i think the the build it and they come the the website as a product which you sell and the budget goes on that and, and effectively your job ends when they agree and it goes live i think it makes sense to be putting the design up front but with the agile the idea that you're trying to think okay no we we're using we're looking at the interactive nature of the web and the fact that that can give you live data on your customers behavior and we're designing for that on an ongoing process means that i think it has to go, the design has to go last because the content and what you put in it and the reasoning behind it, the SEO, the keywords you're looking at it is absolutely essential. So nothing gets designed until basically what you know is gonna go on each page is in place. And then that's where the Laura Elizabeth build up the design from the content because that's that contains the strategy Yeah, um, is the only way to do it. So yeah. Um, it's interesting because I, I think you made the point just a moment ago about the fact that this is a local lawyer, so it might work out. And I guess you you you, you want well, how to describe it. It would be nice if in your arsenal of ways to build websites, you had both the agile and the the waterfall. And if it was just a you know if really the client just needed a simple cookie cutter website and the 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 boundaries yeah. of what they wanted were really confined, then yeah. I don't I don't know that you would need the agile approach. So it's about talking to the client at the beginning and seeing what they're capable of doing. We had quite a funny conversation before we hit record about the the sort of 
the way that people where in my neck of the woods in the part of the country where i live yeah. are and they've got this reputation for being sort of fairly blunt in the way that they speak <laughs> and not wanting well put it this way i they're not widely known for writing poetry and using prose you know everything <laughs> is explained in a matter of fact way and it's very straightforward so i think i would with the agile approach i probably would have got quite a bit of pushback like no can we just get on with it and stop messing about i don't need to talk to you six times in the next two days i just just get on with it will you and hand it back so yeah that was kind of an interesting insight yeah and i i agree with that i think it's still i mean even if you're doing an agile i mean a, being a people first type approach you you you're trying to get to what they really want from it i mean everybody i guess all the clients and they still come to me that way with i want a website and they wanted to do certain things and they're really focused on what they think they're buying as a pro they they set it up as a product and i have to revert now as i'm trying to move to agile i have to revert them into going okay you know well let's try and see what the web can do for your business and not make you spend more than you need to until it's proved that it's worthwhile and that, and that switching that round now you are talking the language of the people where i live you as soon as you bring that save you money, money in. into yes. it yeah you've won them over david it's game over okay well I, that's how i, I resign <laughs> It's, it's the route into it, isn't it? It's the um, not what, and and it's true of the agile approach. It is, you know, let's put out the minimal viable product. Let's not waste money until we know what's going to happen with this. You know, so if we just get the homepage out and it looks okay-ish, it's not the most beautiful thing. But then if we see, you know, there might be some reason to put more effort into the design because of perception. I mean, it's going to be hard to judge. Then we'll do it that way. So, yep. so I still end up always not putting that, you know, design up front. But of course, you're right. Like you say, you know, if you're going to get some plumber in your neck of the woods and the same as where I grew up as well in the UK, people are much direct. They're not going to be interested in me explaining the process. But, uh, you know, you would have to be sensible about that and just say, you know, work out whether they would just trust you to get on with it. But I think I've got to get out, you see. If they say, I'm not interested, you do it. I'll say, okay, well, let's just go with it. Let's not, because you're, all your budget isn't going on this end product, let's just put it out as it is and then see and we'll improve over time. So yeah. I think I'm off the hook. You know, I can get on and knock something up if they're not interested and put it out. And we'll be judging it by other metrics. Yes, I, I guess I guess there's a conversation to be had right at the outset of the project where you're going to be explaining your process because yeah. your process is not a typical process. You know, in just about every commercial transaction, you you pay for something and then you get it. You know, mm. so you pay for, I don't know, you go to the supermarket and you take things off the shelf and you pay for it and you've got it and you walk out and it's done. And there's very few things where there's creativity in in many people's lives. You know, they just buy something and they get it. You're going to have to explain your process very carefully. And I know that part of this podcast series is about you trying to understand more about what that process is so that you are better able to explain it to your clients. But you're just going to have to do that. My process, I think, is is blindingly obvious. Nobody's going to misunderstand I'm going to do a design, you're going to agree it, you're going to pay me, I'm going to build it, and we're done. Whereas with you, you're going to have to explain that process. So there's going to be a bit of time, lead time at the beginning as you explain how it's all going to work. Not to say that that's not valuable, 
And obviously you're going to try and make that work. It's just you're going to have to hold those conversations and know by the time that you're entering into those conversations what all of the steps are that you're going to walk the client through. Yeah, but in a way, the, the basic agile principle is fairly easy for yeah. someone to understand. You just take someone like um, Amazon, who are continuous delivery agile, effectively, although they don't tend to use that, they use continuous delivery, where they are chucking out these things every 11.6 seconds. Um, is that what it is? Changes. Is that their iteration that, rate? That's the, wow. it's, it's a number that's gone around for, I don't know, last seven years or something. There are changes in their business. And it makes sense because everybody, you know, everybody knows it. I guess if they use Facebook, they realize that they might be getting a different experience to somebody else as they're testing out something to see how it works and get feedback. So if you explain, well, this is the web. It works. It gives you live data ongoing. It's a bit like opening up your shop. You don't just open it up and then pay the bills and leave it at that. You respond to how your customers behave when they come into the shop the website is that again think of amazon that's how they might go about it so you know it started off as a rubbish site they didn't just build it and say that we're done they keep delivering all the time it's so interesting I think it's we, an easy we, thing to explain yeah we know. we used that analogy last time didn't we about the shop and the fact that you you don't yeah. just open it and leave it i've just thought of a chink in the armor of that analogy and that <laughs> is you have to have a shop Yes, that's right. Well, exactly. And the shop yes, is the website, so you have to have it built before you can start finessing it, which is no, you're, no, exactly, you're right. exactly. I knew this would this would be interesting. Yeah, you 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 can as you're building the shop, you are finessing it, is what you're saying, and I'm saying let's just get the shop built, then worry about the shop being finessed and fiddled with. Yeah, it's always going to be the traditional, I think, agile approach because you could say that I, I'm just doing the traditional so I get us started and then it can go agile after yes. that one because yes. everybody needs to do that. But I would say it's more in the mindset of it with the agile. You're committing to the idea that it will be continuous delivery where when you're going traditional, you're committing to the idea that there is this project which finishes. Yeah, and so, uh, what I really love about your agile thing is that you, like for the last decade or more, we've been constantly told that in order to in order to maintain the relationship with your clients, you need to yeah. be telling them about a bunch of scary things which can go wrong and <laughs> yeah. therefore yeah. put them on a care plan. Yours is totally like that's flipped on its head. It's it's here's all the wonderful things that we can do for you if we just keep going. So you're building up a long term relationship right off the bat, which I mostly missed out on it was a struggle for me to convert people onto care plans and i would say more than half of the time that it didn't happen whereas yours yeah. is but yeah, that relationship that long-term relationship is baked in on the promise of the way it's being built right at the start i'm going up a little bit off here but yeah. just one thought on this one with that is the kind of agile we were talking about this earlier about the fact that when we started kind of in the 2000s, mid-2000s, it's at a point where you could build your sites and that's what we learned, HTML, and that's what people bought. They, at that point, all, it was build it and they would come. No one imagined that they would be watching data. I mean, there wasn't even Google Analytics until I think 2005. The basic monitoring wasn't available. So yeah. the job of a web designer then was to just you know, do the technical, which wasn't that technical. You only needed to learn HTML and CSS. And you put it out and you gave somebody a product which would last indefinitely at that time, yeah. wouldn't it? You yeah. know, it's a digital product. 
And it's interesting now that we're all on the CMSs and we do that, we've got all this backend technology, which we now have to, to keep that running. We have to sell the maintenance plan. But actually, when you think about it, the, the analogy breaks down, doesn't it? Because you don't hand over a finished product. You, you actually hand over something which is on an agile platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really self. interesting how that has developed over time. Most people just yeah. need a bunch of HTML and CSS on a yeah, that, on a simple web server. Front. That's all they need. And yeah. but we we don't ever give them that, do we? Because we've got this complex WordPress architecture going on in the background. In order yeah. that we can be well agile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I think that design. So I'm I'm very much in favour of that. Mostly, it's just about trying to communicate. The idea is to keep this bond with the client, I think, because the Agile is supposed to be a people first approach where you bring them on board about what changes so they understand for this lifetime thing. You know, it should be a happiness cycle where you look after the interests of the client. They will then look after the end user, which is what we want as UX designers. The, the end user will then reward the client by buying stuff because they've got that right and they will reward us by doing more of the same thing, you know. Yeah, can I just a nice say happy that cycle. in a... Yeah. In a, yeah, in a, in a buzzword-friendly world, I think you should rename it. No longer call it Agile. We're going to use it. We're just going to give you a happiness cycle. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all you need, and everybody will fall <laughs> at your feet and, and love it. <laughs> happiness cycle. That's brilliant. Uh, okay, where are we at next then? Where did we get to in our show notes? Yeah, well, we were talking about design considerations. We covered this in a way, whether we get a designer in first or last. So... It, following my idea that you'll build it up from the content because the content is the strategy so the design is the last thing for me i think if i needed a visual designer and often i might do we were looking weren't we were looking over dri dribble <laughs> and I which saw is a website Dan by the way we were yes. <laughs> it's a brilliant website you should definitely go and check it out it's got three b's yeah. is it three b's d-r-i double B and then an extra B L E dot com something is like it? that. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Do you know what? I don't. This is the first time I've ever noticed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. B. I'll put it in the show notes anyway yeah. for anybody that yeah. wants to click. So we were looking, and um, my plan was defeated entirely. We saw something by a, a, a long-term designer, Dan Cedarholm, on there, and he'd done all this psychedelic work. We were looking at, and we just thought, oh, if a website needed that, certainly it's not going to be Miss A, but if it needed that. I would have to get the designer in right from the beginning. Okay, so we were looking at this website and it was a beautiful psych psychedelic design, absolutely glorious, mm -hmm. but really out on the edge. You know, yeah. it's the sort of thing that belongs on, I don't know, like the Glastonbury website or something like that. It was very, very evocative. That is going to be, I think, out of bounds of me entirely. Not just yeah. me and a designer, but I'm, I think I'm out of the game at that point because that design is just something my creative juices don't stretch that far basically yeah and there are just going to be different sites aren't there that are going to require it i mean there is there are going to be occasions i mean i've got this process in my head where i am if you like going the ux designer way and i'm thinking long term i'm thinking about their aims and i'm thinking really of a website as a ui for the end user to be able to achieve their tasks. But there are examples, and that kind of psychedelic design is a perfect example where the actual feel and the branding is much more important than that. 
Yeah, you yeah. Know. That, that's really an edge case, though, isn't it? And the fact yeah. that we were looking on a on a website like Dribble or the awards website, which again has three W's, I believe, for, you know, www, <laughs> yes, but it's yeah. awards with three W's dot com. They they're not they're not typical, are they? They're they're really pushing the boundaries of what's possible, and and in many cases, they're for organisations and businesses that can that can cope with that. They want to be edgy. They want to be different. And our client, Miss A, that's the last thing she wants. I would have I would have imagined. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, I you know I was watching a YouTuber, very popular YouTuber designer, going through his process, and he showed the site. And he charges a lot of money and he justifies that. And he uses things like uh, awards, the, the website, how much some of those projects will cost. But really interesting when I was when I managed to find it, which wasn't easy to find at all because there was no SEO work on it. There were so many technical issues with it that I was really surprised that he could charge that amount of money. But that was what this organization wanted. But I do notice as well, which is why I stick to my thing, is that a lot of those award winners end up down the line changing their design to something more, you know, uh, familiar, more practical, more of a, a, a website user experience to help people to achieve their yep. tasks rather yep. than being so much design-led. So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know, think I'm ever going to get that type of job. Yeah, you know? well, uh, yeah, like I said, I would probably just t turn it down because it, I think it's out of the creative boundaries that I've got. But, yeah. you know... In my in my situation, I get the go ahead. I get the green light to pay for the designer right at the beginning or not. Mm -hmm. and, but at least that's locked in. With yours, you've you've done the painting by numbers bit. You've looked at some of the data. You've decided what the text is going to be and how to do that. And you've you've starting mm -hmm. to build up this framework of how the site might look. Do you then do you then have to go back to the client and say, okay, I now feel that this is beyond my creative juices we are going to have to get you to pay for a designer is that because that that feels like it could be quite an uncomfortable conversation at that point mm, i don't know it's not happened so i don't no. know i mean it's no. um uh, but uh, hopefully i mean we'd only be pulling in the designer if we felt there was some proof that the aesthetics were letting down yeah the site yeah and i okay. think then they i mean hopefully that's the idea, isn't it? Is to work more collaboratively with the client, share the same information. That's why the painting by numbers kind of approach to design is because it becomes transparent and accessible to yeah, the client, even yeah. if they're not involved. Would you be doing but, any explaining that that may be a possibility? I guess for our client, Miss A, that's that's never going to arise, is it? It's not a conversation it's, even it's worth gonna... having. No, but no. if you were to be doing a website for, a, I don't know, a, a festival, a local festival or something, that it could creep yeah. that way, couldn't it? And so it might be good to get get a get ahead of it and say, okay, we're going to do this much, and then there may be a requirement for a designer. So just bear that in mind. Actually, you've just kind of hit the nail on the head. I think for me, because of those very stylized things, they're there for a certain length of time, and they wouldn't suit Agile. I would go to your way. We'd be designing it from the beginning because. With something like that, chances are it's a one-off website for that year. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's there's no ongoing process, lifetime thing where we're improving this kind of place on the internet and watching how, you know, it literally has, it's like a poster online. Yeah. Well, I declare victory in that case. That's brilliant. This episode <laughs> is officially over. <laughs> yeah. You, you, 
Go to Nathan if you need a poster. No, but the ironic thing is, uh, what, from what I've said, I wouldn't want to touch you with a barge pole because it's too <laughs> difficult for me. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Both of us have collapsed on this one <laughs> edge case of a website. But it, but it really is design-driven, isn't it? And I, I think we, we really were pushing a design which is so extraordinarily out of the remit of what I've ever built that it's, yeah. you know, I would I'd probably have dismissed that out of hand the minute I got the brief. It'd be like, no, this one's not for me. So I don't think it would have been a big deal. I just would have got rid of the problem, pushed it off my plate and given it to, you know, some friends of mine who might be better able to do it. So we could talk about, well, I guess this will still apply in your case, but getting clients involved from the beginning. Now, they are obviously in your case, if they agree a design and then they should theoretically stay out of it till the thing's built because they've agreed at the beginning that's right yeah yeah so i've written on the show notes you know the the question was do we get clients involved from the beginning i've written no in in (laughs) all capitals because yeah i don't know i don't know that that my process will allow for that level of interaction because that's just not what I'm doing. You know, there's the design. You've signed off on it. We can't have the toing and froing of, oh, can we tweak it a little bit? No, no, I'm just going to do it, hand it to you, then we fiddle with it. There's a timeline here, and you've got to stick to the timeline. So with the process that I've got, it's a big, fat no. I don't want meddling right the way through from start to finish. Okay, but meddling is also <laughs> <in the laughs> that's <waterfall>. the word. <laughs> Pesky glance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but there's been a long tradition before we had kind of agile, challenging things of the waterfall being at stages, different processes, and some of that would be involving the design later down and including the clients in it. So, you know, the concept of this mood boarding thing, I know a lot of larger agencies will do that where everybody, you know, takes bits and pieces they get from brochures and magazines and posters and stuff and stick them all on one board to try and get the look and feel agreed in a larger organization about what you're going for so they do get involved in that way yeah um, yeah i think yeah i but we all know don't we i mean it's the you know it's uh, will live in infamy forever i think the the classic oatmeal cartoon about the, <laughs> the design process where, yeah. where client and designer agree the last site was rubbish what were they thinking and then they do this ta-da moment and then the client goes yeah it's great but and then you know slowly off over it goes. time they make yeah. so many changes that it's awful um you know we know all the same you know all the classic things that we ridicule clients for unfairly i think make it pop and make my logo bigger all these things happen Okay, so here's an interesting sort of, I think this is about the process and about the way that you structure it. If yeah. if you are just asking the open-ended question of what do you think about this, yes. then you're asking them to be critical, basically. Yes. You know, they, they might say, oh, I love this and I love this and that's really nice. But most of the time, I think you are, you that open-ended question is opening the floodgates to, can we change this? I don't like that. This is wrong. We certainly can't cope with that, blah, blah, blah. And so, you, but your process is about education and about saying, shall we try this? So it's more sort of affirmative and positive and it's, you're encouraging the things that you think that they should do, not just saying, okay, have a look at the website, open the floodgates, tell me everything that's wrong. And I think that's a really curious and 
effective thing about your approach? Well, it's yeah, what I'm aiming for. I mean, the the I guess the one downside about um, the idea of getting a designer in who mocks up some design and the client picks between them um, is the fact that what is what's going to guide them to what is going to be right for them and their users and i think that's where the flaw can be yeah, so in some yeah. ways if it works out well and they can pick a design and go that's what i like you get your site built but they probably won't be educated enough to have made a good decision based on their users they'll be thinking from their own perspective yeah and this is largely even whether you're waterfall or agile a lot of it has been about this mood boarding idea as to try and link it in with where you're going and try and con control the process where you explain to people what you're trying to give off, what's the look and feel, what you're trying to communicate to people. So in some ways, you know, there's you know, whichever way you go, there's an education built into it. Yeah. I, you know, I tell you what was really amusing. I don't know if I mentioned this before because <laughs> everybody jokes about make it pop. And um, <laughs> I was watching a UX designer. She'd done a number of courses on this. Obviously, that's her living. And all through it, she was going through this process by numbers, if you like, of making this site. And every time she goes, right, that makes it pop. <laughs> and it was, I, I was falling about all the time. But what she was talking about, and this is where the communication is, the clients don't have the words. What she was referring to was how she'd managed to separate something out through proximity and how she'd managed to make something stand out through contrast right. so her pop actually made sense you know mm. and i think i think that's why um you know we have to go through some kind of process with clients to be able to kind of um get to to it i mean if you're lucky if you can put out a design and they pick one but as i say you don't know whether they've picked correctly in my experience <laughs> yeah. I remember sorry let me just go on I'll just there was a, a case where we did this once because somebody wanted this was when I was working with my friend and um, somebody wanted a, a website very cheap for a pub and at that time I said well yeah the only thing we can do is take one of the templates if they pick one of these at the time Genesis templates and it, they it was unbelievable. They just picked the, the most inappropriate template you could have done amongst <laughs> them. And that was the one. You couldn't move them off it. You know, once they they said, no, I like this. It was all dark and it just was entirely wrong. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's top down, bottom up, isn't it? Your approach is very much like, let's just work with them. And, and my approach, it turns out, it, I'm, I am really relying on the designer to think yeah. a lot about their business and, and in some cases and in fact in quite a few cases I actually did have the designer in the room uh, they'd agreed that they wanted a designer and then they came in for that conversation and they weren't really it was more like they were had an observer role so I did my usual asking all the questions you know I often did the go wide go deep type of thing I was never very good mm -hmm. at that but I asked it in my own way to try and explore and the the designer was part of that so it, it, the information wasn't second hand but nevertheless I am then relying completely on their ability to pass that and make the correct judgments but it is only the visuals we, there's no yeah. there's no thought about seo there's no thought about any of the incredible stuff that your agile approach brings it was just i want to design and now i know what the business is trying to do i will try to match the design and the design only to what we think that should look like 
Yeah, we had a good chat earlier about differences between the kind of desi designers that we know that we admire because they got this ability to be really creative and what we did, we really were closer to the developer side of things because we learned those early HTML and CSS things and just managed to put something together that looked half decent. Right, but right. We're mainly, but we, was, we came to the conclusion, I think, that because of the web, we've kind of converged around this whole user experience anyway. So the designer is no longer the print designer. The designer now for the web has to think about the interaction and has to consider the things that we would still consider from a developer point of view, you know, how yeah. that is going to play out on the web. So yeah. I think you, you could, what I was trying to get to here was the fact that what you were saying about the, you expect the designer to be sensitive to how that works on the web, you know, mm. um, and uh, and the business. And, and in a way, it gets to the same conversation we had about whether you bring a copywriter in the beginning, because that copywriter could have the conversation with the client about what they're trying to achieve, who is their target audience. The designer could do exactly the same process for us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully, the designers that I've used, you know, they've been doing this work for so long. I would have imagined that those empathic skills, the ability to take the words out of somebody's mouth and their aspirations and desires and all of the things that we discussed in the meeting yeah, and convert that into something realistic. You would imagine that a designer that can't, that doesn't possess that empathic skill and just puts out whatever the heck they want is not yeah. probably going to be in business all that long because ultimately, you know, the client's paying. And so, yes, and they, they always did, in my estimation. You know, they came back always with things which I thought, yeah, that's that's pretty much captured it. But there's two variants. Let's just see which of those the client prefers. But it was always that. Which do you prefer? Not, yeah, I'm not sure that one will ever work. So they, they were good at that. My fear was always, I was telling you earlier about a website from my original hometown and stuff, which had the most, it was a <laughs> yeah. hairdresser's and it had the most beautiful design. It probably came from something like Theme Forest, but it was so classy and upmarket, the design. But there was the picture center in this of the owner and she just did not look like the design itself. She was just very much from that area. She was Hey up, Doc, how are you doing? Really homely, friendly type looking person. And it was just so incredible how the design itself was all so kind of complete and consistent, but it just didn't reflect the owner. It just yeah. didn't look like them. That's yeah. interesting how you can, and you can see that a million miles away, can't you? If yeah. you And I, yeah. if you've been on the internet for any length of time, you will have come across that site where it's pretty clear that that's a template and they've just thrown the, the clearly ill ill thought through image has been put in and it just red red lights start to appear and you start to look at it and think oh there's something wrong here what's going on and then you you want to look for the more things that are wrong with it it's kind of a strange strange situation I, but i do know what you mean yeah we were looking wasn't we earlier because you mentioned about plumbers how they would just kind of ruin this and we were looking at plumber sites in your local area yep and yeah yep it's, it's really interesting because I think also we have to be in the, you know, in that case, it was over stylized for this person and how will you imagine they probably are. And, the, and I think there's also the case with things like tradespeople sites where if it's too stylized, it's just it, suddenly you're going to put people off. It's just not in keeping with what you would expect from that type of business. Right, right. So imagine you had a really 
pushing the boundaries of, of artistic design. And it yeah. was just for a simple plumbing local website. There is a disconnect yeah. there, isn't there? It just, there's something about making a website which meets the expectation of who's going to be visiting it. So, you know, if you go to Amazon, you have a complete set of expectations about what that's going to be like and what the experience is like. And if they yeah. made it all wacky and crazy, you'd be, what? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't buy from here. This is too weird. And the same's true. You know, the plumber, the lawyer, whatever. I think you've, to be successful, oh, I don't, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it. To be successful, you've got to be within the boundaries of what, the people visiting it will expect. I'm going to be shot for that sentence, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Uh, and I think, you know, with the one that we're trying to do, our Miss A, we, I think we know what a lawyer's site is. And I don't think most people are interested in it being wonderfully designed. As long as it's, you know, it does all of the basic stuff, things are aligned and positioned correctly so it doesn't create friction for the user to find the stuff that they need, we're going to be able to do it with, Probably with basic skills on that without yeah. needing a designer, I should imagine. So how we do talk we... Yeah, I've gone. I suspect you're about to say what I was going to say, so go on. Uh, well, I was just going to move on to yes. um, uh, the feedback tools. And, yeah, that's what know, I was going to say, we... yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've got tons of them out there, haven't we, now? Um, well, used, uh, I think Project Huddle was the first that came around. Yeah, that there's loads of tools, isn't there? There's Project Huddle. You found one, which I think you've used in the past, called User Back, and then there's things yeah. like Atarim. But, of course, yeah. there's, the, there's the ultimate tool, which I always preferred, which is called the phone. Um, <laughs> yeah. you're the tool yeah that's right that's <laughs> it thank you uh, the, I just found that to be the most effective way and when I say the phone I mean a meeting I mean a phone call I mean uh, now it'd be probably something on Zoom where I'm screen sharing all of those kind of things uh, because of what we mentioned earlier about that if you, if you give too much capacity to criticise and you're not there to shepherd that criticism and to react yeah. to it in real time I think that the potential for that criticism to become overwhelming and a great big bomb of information is yes. not helpful. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I tried to use the tool. I mean, the clients didn't really get on board with using it. The only thing that I found was quite useful with using Userback was that when someone saw on it, they were pointing it out, it actually told me what size they had their browser on. So if it was a responsive issue and what browser they were using, and that was quite useful to check something out. But otherwise, for me, it would be much better to have a presented feedback session where you get to say why you did something like that and why it is. So they've you set the standard, if you like, for yeah. the feedback to yeah. come back. And uh, I think the danger with me is if they could just stick things on randomly, saying, make this bigger, they can't use the words that are going to tell me how to do stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I've heard other people have fun conversations on the make my logo bigger where they make it huge and then the client says and they make it a little bit smaller and, and the, you know, they adjust and then they end up back to where they were in the first place. And you just think, yeah, I would like to avoid that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I guess the I guess the, the pitch for those tools, though, is that you don't always deal with the ideal client. There's there's often yeah. times where they're they're absent, they're, they're, they're not giving you any feedback. 
um, they're unwilling to engage with you. They don't bother, or they just they you know they're interacting with the wrong things. And and ultimately, if you have like two or three of these meetings and they end up contradicting themselves and all of that, it's just a lot of time wasted. So I think that's the pitch for those tools, isn't it? Is here's a tool, teach them how to use it, save time, save a bit of money because you're saving time. Um, but probably explain how it works and what the kind of information is that you want to get back from them. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously have to do stuff online, but I just think with any of the free tools now, you can screen share and you can present it. And, you know, with page builders particularly, you can even just change some of the things there while, they, while they're on it. I just think it's such a, a more effective way. But I think controlling the nature of the feedback is the important thing uh, to set you know if you can explain clearly why things were done they have to meet that level of standard for their feedback and i think that's what frustrates us if they just you know randomly say make it pop or my make my logo bigger. yeah just, yeah I, I, I like that so just to make sure i've understood that correctly you're having a conversation where you tell them why you think it's been done this way and then the barrier there isn't just to criticize it's to they've got to better your argument for it to pass <laughs> yeah right well hopefully hopefully you know because you know the aim is to get on with the client is yeah. that you're going to go this is what i've done and this is why i've done it like that what do you think do you hopefully it's it's I, because I think it's actually quite useful, particularly as I'm not a designer, to be able to get the feedback from the client because they do have access to something I don't have, you know, which is an understanding, hopefully, if I've set that up, of their users and what their expectations are. Right. So right. They, they should have something valid to add to it, but you just want to make sure that the it's at a level that makes kind of some sense doesn't you know and yeah. i think they have to know that you've used some skills i think it's i think it's the best way of doing it because it doesn't appear like magic um you you explain if you like what skills you bring to the project yeah through doing that yeah so i think it's it's the only way that i can imagine it working i'd love to hear if somebody um has a completely different approach to well that. i mean all you have to do really as well and both of us have been insulated from this for goodness knows what reason neither of us have like really fallen out with anybody over this but <laughs> yeah. but clearly that that does happen all the time so those tools might be shielding you from that horror that you once had where you know you went into a meeting and it just ended up being a bun fight and the whole project fell to pieces after a lot of work had been put in and so yeah. those tools are put in to to prevent some of that kind of stuff and, and insulate you from it. But you and I, for reasons that I don't really know, both prefer the in-person, on the phone, doing a Zoom call kind of interaction. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, design inspiration. This is our final bit, isn't it? Where are we, where are we even getting ideas from? I mean, just to be clear, I really don't have a designer's bone in my body. I kind of, <laughs> I have this thought that I would like to rewind my life and go into design. I have this thought that I could be good at it. History yeah. shows that I'm lousy at it, but I, I I think it'd be quite a fun thing to do. I love the idea of, you know, designing things and using Photoshop, and but it never never worked for me. So I have to go to websites to look to get inspiration. Yeah, and I think and I love this whole approach of build, uh, you know, building things up and and putting the flourishes on later. So I think things like Dribble, mm -hmm. uh, with the three Bs, is um, it is great because you can look at what other people have done to 
I think you can search through different types of things. So if you've got a little benefit section that you might have with three boxes or something, you could say how you're going to make yours that you've done uh, a little bit more exciting. And you can look and see what other people have done in terms of splodges they might have put in the background or drop shadows that they might have used. And I think I think that's a really great way. And I th the same thing as well is lots of people collect stuff on Pinterest. That's another yep. place where yep. you can you know find headers or footers or just any kind of section that you want to get inspiration on and we've got canva and stencil as well i find those quite useful yeah have a look at they're always building I, stuff i i less so nowadays but i used to use evernote a lot just to just yes. to basically bookmark um <laughs> things and so i've got a folder in evernote i can't even remember what it's called it's you know like templates or something like that and I would just bookmark things that I liked as I yeah. went around the internet. You know, I wasn't looking for something nice. I just found something nice and I bookmarked it. And with Evernote, you can just add a little note to why you liked it. So I might say, oh, I like the header or something. And so over time, I built up those kind of things. But 10 minutes on that Dribble website is just such a good use of 10 minutes. You'll get so many ideas and so many different ways of doing the exact same thing. Uh, it's mm. fascinating, really fascinating. I used to try and not ever know, but I used to occasionally when I see a site that I really liked, I'd do a full screenshot of it yep. <clears throat> and yep. put these in a folder. And uh, that, but it never came back to it. I just, still go back to the idea of looking at something like um, Dribble to get the inspiration on. That. Well, but, uh, over those those websites didn't exist, did they? The sort of Dribble thing, and mm. so it was my kludge way of getting a little repository of my own thoughts. But yeah, you're right. Websites like Dribble, you know, they've got search features and so you can go in and write header or whatever and see what comes out. And usually it's dozens. We're saying Dribble, there's probably all sorts of different ones. We mentioned awards earlier. And and there's obviously mm -hmm. all the sort of template libraries, whether you like them or not, online where you can yeah. go and look at what other people have designed and yeah. borrow those ideas. I kind of like um, theme forest and monster templates and those uh, as a way of deciding what I'm not going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if there's a new kind of business to me there, I go and search those to see what templates are, and they're very similar. You know, so in some ways, I think because the, because they're used a lot, or similar templates copy each other in the in the terms of the colours they go with. So it's kind of a way, like if I can, I want to avoid that, so it doesn't look too much. Uh, I mean, sometimes the expectation are that it does look a certain way, and with our lawyer, maybe we won't go too far out of that. But I find it kind of reversal. It's quite good. There yeah. is one other thing that actually I should mention because I thought it was a very good tip was. Um, for things like um, spacing, for doing typography correctly on, on sites, you know, there's some rules that you can follow out there. But I've heard people say, Laura Elizabeth being one of them, that, you know, a great way is if you see typography on people's sites, then just go and see how they've spaced out their headers, the various headers and the text and the line height that they're using and just steal it <laughs> you know the spacing is perfect <laughs> yeah and uh, just take it from website so you know then the actual code itself can often be an inspiration as well on other people's sites yeah how many times do you do that a week where you just click right click and inspect just to see how they've achieved yeah. something i'm doing that all the time but do you know what I, I until somebody told me about that i would have never thought i look at it and i see it and i see little bits but i never thought about 
some people with good design skills have the whole system built in. So it's, you know, it's a consistent spacing between their header ones, two, threes, and fours, and their text. And, the, and you steal it, steal the same line height and the spacing and that. And, and I just thought, well, that's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, a nice shortcut to, uh, to all yeah. of this kind of stuff. So yeah, find things on the web and then go and basically steal them. That's what we're saying. That's what this episode comes down to. <laughs> steal other people's good ideas. <laughs> Are we done? Uh, we are done. This is the end of this season. Oh. So the next time we chat, we will be moving on to season three. The technical build will actually be starting to build the thing. Right. <laughs> and this is where it, it gets interesting. We've had a lot of preamble and now we're actually the rubber meets the road. And things well, actually maybe. Start. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. But OK, season two. Done. Yep. Finito. Well done. And uh, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Always very nice to chat with my good friend, David Wormsley. If you fancy giving us some of your feedback, we'd really appreciate that. You can do that by going most easily to wpbuilds.com and look for episode number 279 and leave us a comment there. We'd really appreciate it. If you fancy joining in our Facebook group, that's wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. You could search also for episode 279 and leave us a comment there. We would be most appreciative. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds. That is go.me forward slash WP builds. And we do thank GoDaddy Pro for helping us to put on the WP builds podcast. We will be back next week. It'll be an interview episode because we flip flop between a chat with David and I and then an interview with some WordPresser out in the wider world. So that'll be next week. But also don't forget, we've got our live show this week in WordPress, 2 p.m. UK time every Monday at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Perhaps we will see you for some of that. If not, I hope that you have a nice week. Stay safe. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye bye for now. Mm-hmm.